Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hi, welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer, and we've got a bonus episode for you this week with Australian Rob Grombeck. Rob is a performance and psychology coach. He's based in Cairns, Australia. He was the first Australian to harness the power of the NeuroTracker, which is a game-changing 3D multiple object tracking program used by professional teams to enhance four types of attention, to reduce mental fatigue, enhance visual processing speed, and improve spatial awareness. So in this episode, Rob and I talk about achieving mastery using not only technology, but also going back to basics with really good sleep hygiene and nutrition, how people in business can model themselves on professional athletes in terms of managing their workload and prioritizing recovery and peaking uh, for key events, but also looking at health in holistic terms, which as you know is is something that, that we're very interested in here in terms of our philosophies, how to get into a flow state and what that means, and how Rob uses things like meditation and mindfulness with his clients and himself to optimise performance. So it's a really great episode. It's a bonus episode, 60 minutes, a little longer than our usual, but sit tight, grab a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Leanne. No, it's a pleasure. So um, why don't you just summarise for us, if you can, what exactly it is you, you do? Yeah, um, Leanne, look, um, when I work with an athlete, uh, I'm generally wanting to help that athlete, um, educate that athlete on the significance of certain key mental skills. And when we think of mental skills, we often think of things like motivation and goal setting and um, emotion, anxiety management and, and relaxation and things like that. And, and those things are all valuable. They're all beautiful, um, time-tested and true methods. Um, and yet we're living in the, the 21st century. And we're able to measure and track um, many more metrics um, in terms of brain activity, in terms of um, what's going on in the body and heart rate, um, skin conductance. So what I help athletes do is I help to first assess where an athlete is in terms of their visual perception, in terms of their ability to relax and, and, and downtime, um, their ability to switch off um, the more critical analytical part of their brain which is generally where we're stuck in, in 24-7 Western culture. Um, when we're performing, we don't need that um, left brain analytical source. We need to be operating in that unconscious um, confidence state. So I use a variety of, of tools um, and techniques, uh, mainly tools though, um, which assess and then once you know where you're at, uh, you can apply a growth mindset so well, it doesn't matter where I'm at compared to others, it's where I am compared to where I am and how can I improve a little bit today, a little bit today, a little bit today um, to eventually, uh, I think I say, I like to create athletes that are switched on, are resilient and, um, and in the flow. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, there's so much in that, but just as a quick question, is it only athletes that yeah. you work with? Uh, 
educational psychology, you could work in youth and child development psychology, uh, forensic psychology, um, gerontology, aging, um, sports psychology, health psychology. So there are all these different um, realms. Um, most of them problem-based, actually, although some of them are industry-based. And, um, and it's just important to, to pick something and, and master it. And mm. one of my core, core values is mastery. And um, I'm not there yet. Uh, I think with mastery, I don't think you'll ever get there. But you do. You, you can feel like you've developed a sense of mastery, and you can only get that when you've spent maybe not the ten thousand hour rule, but you've spent a lot of time learning, understanding, um, being able to help people um, with, with specific issues. You know, if you're a sprint coach, or well, you can help anyone get faster generally. You know, mm-hmm. um, maybe unless they're a, a rower or a cyclist, and then like, well, yeah, I not. Not that kind of sprinting, but a uh, sprint coach, you could help multiple athletes. Uh, I think um, with, a, with a mental performance coach, um, I specialize mainly in action sports, action sports um, such as uh, um, basketball, Australian rules football, Gaelic football, if you like, um, rugby, um, even, and also racket sports like tennis, um, combat sports, where your attention and your, 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 your peripheral vision and your visual processing has to be at the highest game, otherwise you'll you won't be able to read what's what's happening in front of you. So mm. um, I do believe though that everyone has a brain. Oh, we've met a few people that we kind of wonder at times, <laughs> but um, we all we all carry this brain. And um, a recent um, leader in the field, um, Dr. John Sullivan, he's uh, he wrote a book, um, The Brain uh, Always Wins, and it's just a case that performance is dictated by brain health. And that's why I love your work because you break down the different things that you can, the, the, the different metrics, the different actions that you can take to actually create a healthier brain. Yeah. And if you have a healthier brain, you'll have better memory, you'll have better retention, you'll have better emotional regulation, you'll have better um, social um, engagement, um, you'll have better creativity. So ultimately, it's about creating a healthy brain. Um, but that can all be undone when athletes train too much and don't recover. Isn't that, isn't that right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. our, our target market, the people we help are normally sort of uh, time-crunched, high-achieving executives. But I think there's a very similar situation going on. I mean, you, overtraining in an athletic sense is obviously uh, beyond overreaching, but you're actually doing too much volume or too much intensity uh, and the recovery is, is not being prioritised. And I think... For, for the people we work with, it's very similar, but rather than training, they're working. Um, they, and, you know, yeah, and, and stress is stress, and demand yes. is demand, yeah. and, uh, and, and trauma is trauma. Whether it's, I have to sit and listen to, uh, I, let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm a customer service um, representative on the phone with a large telco, and people are constantly angry, and, and they're calling me, and I've got to keep my own emotions in check the whole day. You know, that that takes energy, that's exhausting, that's, that's what they call emotional labor. Now that's, tra- that's traumatic, or, or um, maybe not traumatic, but it's definitely trauma, definitely demand. Mm. And when there's demand, if there is an additional rest and recovery to make up for that demand, well then we see those issues with uh, stress becoming chronic, um, and that's when uh, people lose their ability to think and their emotions become flighty and their thoughts become very scattered, creativity drops, performance drops. So um, I think that's, again, that's why I love um, John Sullivan's, like your work, because you're looking at that holistic approach of mm. 
physical, physical activity, rest, optimal nutrition, um, good cognitive stimulation, um, um, positive um, digestion and fitness. Um, and when you get all those running all at the same time, your, your performance, it makes it easier to get in that flow state. So, you know, we don't get in that flow state that everyone talks about where everything's effortless just by wishing for it. We actually get into it by um, hitting, all, hitting all of those, the, those key areas. And then we just naturally perform out of our skin because we've, we've ticked all the boxes, mm. if, 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 if that makes sense. It does, yeah. And what does the flow state mean to you? To me, um, flow state is when what you've been practicing, um, it comes out without thinking, you surprise yourself at how amazing you're doing, although in some ways, as you look back afterwards, you think to yourself, yeah, well, I have been working really hard at that. Um, I think um, other people, um, um, other researchers, um, tend to talk about just that sense of timelessness and self, some selflessness um, and, and a richness. Um, where just it's it's a um, and the feelings that you just not even there. It's, it's actually not you doing it. And I often like to use the metaphor that the body is often like a horse, and that's that's the horse, and that's our unconscious mind, that's our body, and it kind of does what it's trained to do. It does what it thinks it should do. And then there's the conscious mind, which can often direct the the body. Um, with our, with our thoughts, with our images, and um, the better relationship you have between your conscious mind and your body, I think that really helps to build, like um, getting in that, that flow where you, you just accept whatever happens in your body and you don't start to yell at your body or scream at your body like your McEnroe might do. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm still searching for, for, for a good definition on flow because often it's not language-based, like I said, you, you switch up off of the left brain. And when that dampens down, you lose your sense, better sense of self and also a lot of your language senses. So when you come out of the flow, you go, what just happened? Well, I, I can't explain it because it's not something I can put into words. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's a tricky thing to define, but you know it when you're in it. Um, yeah. Or oh, even you know it when you just fell out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you think what people can do to get into flow well i think one i think one of your one of your key factors i totally agree with is get your sleep yeah you know like Fundament. Um, it's, it's a force know. multiplier isn't it sleep nothing nothing's oh. going to happen without it the training uh, yeah. you know a, a, anything else you're trying to work on if you if you're undernourished in terms of sleep you, you just aren't going to be able to get very far i don't think that's right that's right you know um now we know that when you sleep, the cerebral spinal fluid goes along the blood vessels and cleans out the waste products of the metabolism required to run our cells. Well, that means the more sleep you get, the less waste is in your brain the next day. Mm. So it's like running a hill or running 400 meter sprints, um, getting massive amounts of lactic acid in your body and then not doing any cool down. So all that lactic acid, it, some of it goes, but a lot of it just sticks around. Mm. And the next day, if it's not DOMS, just because you haven't trained for a while, but if it's if you really haven't flushed out that um, um, the, that waste product, your power output drops tremendously because there's a lack of oxygen, there's a lack of um, um, uh, all all the the, the, the metabolites to to actually make that create.
energy production in your legs, for example. Mm. So when you haven't slept, well, you're actually taking out like, okay, let's just say we need maybe seven and a half hours. That's maybe five sleep cycles. And if you get six sleep cycles, because, you know, nine minutes for a sleep cycle roughly, mm -hmm. and you're getting your nine hours, that's brilliant. Okay. Um, if you decide, um, or somehow you only get maybe five, five and a half, maybe five hours sleep then you just, um, it's like taking out two thirds of the rubbish. You're left with two, with a third of the rubbish in, in your home and eventually that builds up and you wonder why you're so foggy in your mind because you've literally left the waste products um, in your brain. At least that's a, a really, I try and be a bit persuasive when I, when I use that metaphor because I have to because it's, you know, what are you doing here? You're um, by, by, by not getting the sleep that you need. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and it's, it's an interesting time to be talking about sleep because it's, it's one of our six signals and it, I describe it as the force yeah. multiplier. Um, but there's quite a bit of attention now on sleep. So Ariana Huffington, who's somebody that I follow, obviously she's written a book called Thrive and she's written another book called The Sleep Revolution and ah. she, she's done a very, very good TED talk, which I'd recommend to you and, and listeners. And it's the essence of it is why women are sleeping their way to the top. But the talk is about the machoism there is around sleep, particularly amongst C-suite executives who happen to generally a male, um, bragging about how little sleep they've got. And her point is that if, they, if we drop some of this machoism around sleep deprivation and competitive presenteeism, and if C-suite execs, irrespective of gender, just started getting a little bit more sleep, then perhaps we'd see the icebergs before they hit the Titanic. And she's referring there to 2008. Um, when there were a number of icebergs that hit various different Titanics. Um, yeah. Lehman Brothers being, being one that, that stands out. So, And it's a really interesting TED Talk, but I think it's, it's raised a lot of awareness around the importance of sleep because it's become quite undervalued. I, mean, it, I, I can't remember the statistic, but we used to get a lot more sleep than we currently do. And I think there's a number of reasons that, that are for that, partly the ferocious pace at which most of um you know corporate life is driven at but also devices technology which can help and hinder sleep um but yeah it, it's an interesting yeah. one it's definitely somewhere we're talking a lot about it i think there's more and more awareness that actually sleep is very very important and drives yeah. all of the other you know the other areas of our lives that are beneficial like fitness and digestive health and mm. and so on body composition all that kind of stuff mental health most importantly if I can share um, a tip, which maybe mm. your, your listeners might already know or might not, but um, some, something that transformed my, my sleeping. Um, we know that now, um, and, and just to preface it, is we, we know that our, our body and brain runs on chemical cycles and, and, and circadian rhythms and, and all that kind of stuff. And generally, we, we run by, the, by the, um, the sunlight, which mm -hmm. tells us when to wake up and when to go to bed. Unfortunately, when we're sitting in our bed and it's 10 o'clock at night and we have our smartphone in front of us, the light that's coming from that smartphone is the same blue light that we would be getting at 12 o'clock in, in, in midday. Mm -hmm. So our brain thinks it's midday. So um, what I've used over the last um, well over six months, probably possibly about a year, and my sleep has just become so stable. Um, I used to be up all night. Um, I use um, blue light filters. So on a Windows, I use Flux, um, and on my um, Android phone, um, it's got a plug, it's a free app, um, but it's called Twilight. And 
I'm sure Apple has one as well. Um, everyone says, oh yeah, there's one on Apple. And it just cuts out the blue light and it creates more of a, um, a, 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 a pinky red tone to the screen. Yeah. And, and since using that, I am, um, and I also try to avoid um, fluoros um, you know, later before going to bed, so I have a shower in the dark because I don't want that fluoro to tell my brain, hey, don't release the sleep hormones now. Mm. I, want to, I don't want to interrupt that process because the, the better sleep rhythm pattern you get in, um, the, the better off you are. So um, any, any of those blue light um, filters, um, I think they're worth their weight in gold. And that's what you're talking about, using technology for us. Yes. I think we just need to know the kind of apps to use um, to, to, to help there. So uh, hopefully so some of your guys can, can, um, um, can hear that and use that. And yeah. I'd, be, uh, I'd be pretty confident that they would change the way they, that they relate to their um, to, to sleep because they'll just start feeling tired because it's time to go to bed. I have, the brain hasn't seen sleep for two hours, although depending on which part of the country you live in, it can be tough because, or in the world, because you get more, um, Australia's great for the sun and, and dark and whatnot. We get a fairly balanced level over in the UK and whatnot. It can be a bit more challenging, I guess, so. Yeah, or, um, or in places um, like, yeah. places like Finland, where a lot of this technology is coming from. So to follow on that point, yeah. and thanks for those tips, that's great. Yeah, um, the yeah. Apple equivalent is called Night Shift, Night Shift and you can get to it via settings. I'm not exactly where, sure where, but it's in the settings yeah. of, an, of an iPhone. Um, there's yeah. a piece of tech called the Human Charger, uh, which is yes. a little device shaped like an iPod Nano, and it's got a set of earphones, and there are photoreceptors in the ear canal that provide light to the brain. It's a fairly recent discovery. We always thought that the eye was the main um, entry point for that. So you can put these little earbuds into your ear and it, so you press a button on the, the device and it gives you a 12 minute dose of UV free blue enriched white light. So obviously wow. you wouldn't want to do that at the end of the day, but if you've got seasonally affective disorder for which it's medically approved, or if you have any kind of mood or energy problems, particularly in, in times where the light is poor, so classic UK winter, or um, or for jet lag, in fact, if you need if to reorientate, yeah, if you need to reorientate, so circadian rhythm completely shot to bits if you're traveling on multiple time zones. So it's a really yeah. interesting little device. Um, I used it when I traveled over to Australia last month and uh, I still had a bit of jet lag. It's, I, I need to travel without it and then with it to measure accurately. But I also use it in the winter just to get a hit of energy and just to brighten myself, brighten my mood up. And I believe it does yeah. work for that. So if you're getting up at you know, I, I don't know if you know the work of Nick Littlehales on sleep. Um, he wrote a book of that name. Um, but he recommends having a consistent wake time, irrespective of yeah. what time you've got to bed. Um, a consistent wake time. So if that's the case and your, your wake time is, say, 6.30am, in winter you'll be getting up in the dark. So yeah. one of the things you can do is plug that human charger in at 6.30, sit there and get your 12-minute dose, perhaps while you meditate or make a cup of tea, and it will help to trigger... The chemical process in the brain, so the serotonin release, um, the the cortisol spike that you want when you wake up, to try and kick that circadian rhythm away, even though technically you haven't had that natural light. Um, so yeah, so so sleep is one of the the aspects of flow. What are some of the others to, to help people get into flow? Well, okay, let's see. Um... I just first of all, just I was just thinking it's it's um there's almost never been a better time to to be interested in your health or to be an athlete or to be a performer. Mm. 
was challenging because there's so much conflicting information. Um, yep. So um, I just, yeah, that just was bubbling on my mind. I just wanted to get that out there and, and put that aside, to the side. Yeah. Um, I think you get what you practice, and it's a really basic pro- process, but you, you, you get what you practice. So if you practice um, uh, switching, um, practicing without, without um, say, you're going for a job, if you're constantly looking at, at your time and, and figuring out how long you're running for, then that that does interrupt the level of of, um, of flow because flow often there's this, this timelessness. And the more you're checking out, are you on the phone? Well, you, you know, you're actually just disrupting that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not such, so sometimes it's best to just pick pick a distance. Okay, I'm going to go from here to there, or like a landmark, and just run there and, or walk there. And, does it, and of course, we have busy time frames. You've got to make sure you're in places on time. Mm. Um, but I think um, setting setting uh, accomplishments versus I'll do this in this time. Otherwise, we, we're so focused on the time that we don't that we we, we miss the, the experience. We we don't get engrossed in the experience. Yeah. Um, a lot of my athletes, because you met, you mentioned my use of the neuro tracker, and um, for, for everyone listening. Essentially, the, the neuro tracker is like a, um, a souped-up version of that old game where you have three cups on a, on a table, and one of them has a P under it. And you know, you say, like, oh, "Here's the P under this cup," and then the person moves the, the cups around, and then you have to tell them which one has the P under it. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a gambling a gambling game. Yeah. Um, imagine that there's eight cups, okay, and there's an octopus. <laughs> someone has to be able to do this, and and there's four P's. So now the octopus lifts up four of those cups and says, "Here are the here are the four P's," and then starts to move them around the table. And instead of having a table and an octopus and cups and P's, I have a hundred-inch projection screen um, with, um, that's in three D, and there, there are balls on the screen, um, and and they look like they're further away from each other and distance because of the three D. And four of those balls turn they red, for example, and that signals to the the client, the athlete, "I want you to follow these four balls." Um, because they've all started yellow, um, and then those four balls that turn red turn back to yellow, and now they all look the same, just like putting the cups down, and you can't see the peas anymore, and they start to bounce around the screen for about seven, eight, nine, ten seconds, depending on what we're trying to train. And if I was to take pictures of people's faces or, or, or video um, people's faces as they as they do it, they're like a they're like a hound. They're just like they're like an eagle. Like the, 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 this super intense focus. Mm. And as I said before, you train what you get. So if you train super intense focus, like super demanding, highly cognitively demanding tasks that require your full attention, well, you'll get good at that. And ultimately, that's what the zone is. It's a super absorbed state. So I think that too many athletes have training sessions that aren't demanding enough, particularly cognitive. They go through the motions. And that's also the coach's issue and the coaching staff and how they deliberately um, train their athletes and the kind of lives that they put people under. Um, uh, but the great thing with the neurotracker is we can isolate that very skill of visual attention, um, which is working on your peripheral vision, which gets smaller as you age. So we, we see very rapid gains in peripheral vision after doing this training. Um, and the more you do it, we start to add tasks to it. So we start to add balancing on like a BOSU ball, which makes it difficult at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and, and, and then eventually they will integrate the, the movement and the, and the, the, the tracking. 
Um, and then we'll start to add things like sitting on a stationary bike and getting the heart rate up to maybe 130, 140. Um, and then once we start to get the heart rate up to 160, 170, we actually see people start to perform better than they did when they were in a, in a, in a normal, normal resting state. Because the body and the brain runs better when it's, when, when it's, when it's warmed up, when, when the blood is pumping. That's why athletes warm up, not just to warm up their bodies, but to actually to also warm up their, their brains. Mm. So um, I kind of added a bit in there. But um, I think, yeah, you get what you train. And if you train focused, um, laser-like attention, um, and you can get that through through, through training and sports training um, or surfing or, or um, any other active sport where you've got to be so focused or you'll get punched in the face, for example, yeah. or you'll fall off. Or you'll fall off um, your skateboard or, or fall off the cliff. At least with this, there's no risk of falling off a cliff or getting eaten by sharks. Um, you just sit in front of the screen and you do the task. And um, and I think that's one of the, the best ways to to um, to get into the flow. Um, one of the tools that I love to use and I would use with most people, except maybe for those really slow sports like golf or billiards or darts, you don't really need to be able to follow four objects um, on a large screen. Um, it's just not the kind of skill that you would use. You would use more of the calming, like heart rate variability, biofeedback mm-hmm. um, processes, um, which I think is the other side of, of flow as well. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that. What, what are your views on things yeah. like heart rate variability and, and also things like meditation, mindfulness, and breathing exercises, you know, is that something that you incorporate? It sounds to me like it's very complementary with cognitive function, and cognitive focus, but are they tools that you use? Absolutely, and uh, like myself every day, like if we look at tools, tools have limitations. They have great, great value, but they also have limitations. And in an article I wrote recently, um, I talked about the fact that the neurotracker was great, but like I said, it, it's cognitive and there's two sides of us as human beings there's our cognitions like our thoughts and our judgments but then there's our emotions and you don't really train attend, uh, emotions with the neurotracker it can bring out emotions i have some clients today have been quite frustrated <laughs> um because of the um the, the, the neurotracker was really testing them i i turned it up to quite a high setting and I, there was a fair bit of um, um frustration but in terms of emotion, what is emotion? I think um, the TED talk by Dr. Alan Watts, um, how to be brilliant every day, I think I think it was. And, um, and he really operationalizes emotions as um, signals, as frequencies. And the frequency of our heart, the, um, the frequency of, of our gut, um, the, the signals that are being sent. Um, we, we, we know that the, the brain is important, but the brain sends signals to the to the heart, and the heart sends signals back to the brain. And there's this thing called the vagus nerve. You'd be familiar, yes. familiar with that. And um, I'm just I'm I'm not still quite new new to that. But every day I train biofeedback, heart rate variability training. I set up with uh, for 40 minutes, and I breathe at the same pace in and out for 40 minutes. Now some people go, oh my gosh, that's so boring. But I put on some some, some videos, um, inspirational, motivational videos in the background. And um, it also measures my skin conductance, that is my sweat response. Mm-hmm. And, that's like, and that's related to the fight or flight. Um, and also my finger temperature, because we, we, we all know the term cold and clammy. Um, often that's a sign of ill health or someone that's nervous. Um, before we go up and give a public speaking, our hands go cold. 
and we get sweaty because it's a stress response. Yeah. So while I'm doing the process, I've got a little finger sensor, and it's it's uh, in real time providing me music and, and visuals, telling me, okay, your your finger temperature is going up, um, your 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 skin conductance is going down, so that's a good thing, um, and your heart rate variability, you've got a high low frequency, sorry, a, a, a high proportion of low frequency, um, which is a sign of parasympathetic um, stimulation, which is our rest and digest. So mm-hmm. every day, purposely, I go into a rest and digest mode, and I start my day there, um, and that um, and that sends a level of calm. It changes my tone of voice. Um, it sets a level of um, I'm less afraid um, to pitch ideas to people. I used to be really apprehensive, really anxious, but but for my whole life, I'm very focused, but extremely anxious and sometimes tentative and timid. And since I've added this. To my own, to my own, my own life and my own practice, it's like holy moly, where has this been all my life? Wow, that's um, that's incredibly so, powerful. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I'm on the journey myself. Yeah. Um, and, and the just to, to wrap it up, every day um, it gives me points for how well I relax that day. And I have noticed that there are some days, like after a big volleyball, two-day volleyball tournament, my numbers were shot. Um, they were way down because I was super fatigued. Now you think, oh, well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you be able to um, um, relax better? Well, actually, no. I was just exhausted. Mm. So my body was just stressed. Um, so yeah, um, uh, in terms of attention and anxiety and clear-headedness, I don't think you can beat um, heart rate variability feedback for those people that are specifically neurotic like me, <laughs> and um, they can be impulsive as well like me. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm an N of one. But I, I would just encourage anyone that has those you know, symptoms or issues to, to really check out some kind of heart rate variability breathing or even just like a resonant frequency for a fixed breathing um, um, process where you can get an app and, and you set it up for four seconds in, five seconds out, and you just do that for 15, 20 minutes a day, even without the biofeedback. Yeah. And, um, and that, that, that was valuable before I added the, the, the feedback. So I think that's uh, emotion and cognition when they go together but like I said, you've got a switched on athlete that's very calm. And I think you get more from calm than you do from anger or fear, I think. Mm. Brilliant. What was that device that you're using, the biofeedback device? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm in no way an affiliate, um, but the, the, these guys, um, they've been in the industry um, for 40 odd years. They, um, it's Thought Technologies. Thought um, Technologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, Thought Technology. And when I was saying Thought Technologies, I meant as in it's theirs. Yep. Um, and, and it's called the EVU um, TPS. Um, I don't I, I can't EVU remember what EVU TPS. stands for, but the TPS stands for triple process, triple physiology sensor. Okay. So it's looking at your heart rate variability, your skin conductance, um, and your um, your finger temperature. And I know that unfortunately it can't be worn. Um, it's sensitive to movement, um, unlike the aura ring, which which. Is you can wear any time, so I'm mm. kind of jealous of you and your ring. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the mighty ring, yeah. Okay, great. Well, we'll find that and we'll put a link to that and the TED talk that you mentioned and the Brain Always Wins book in the show notes. But yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, please do. I mean, I, my own meditation journey is is fairly new. About a year ago, I started meditating, and I pretty much do it every day, off and on. Um, I have occasionally fallen into the trap of thinking I feel great, I feel amazing, everything's going well. I don't need to do it. But yeah, actually, it's, it's a daily practice. Oh, man, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre. One of your athletes, if they were, I don't know, 
um, shooting a load of baskets. They were the top one of the top scorers. They probably wouldn't stop doing what they were doing because they were no. top. Yeah. You know, so it, equally, we shouldn't stop doing what we do to support good physical, me, me, emotional, mental, and physical um, well-being. So we should kind of maintain all of that, even when things are going well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Is there any other devices or? tips that you would recommend along the lines of HRV or wearables? Um, is there anything else yes. that you do that you, you could be useful for listeners? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, other, the other part of it is, we, we, as I mentioned before, we, 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 we want to assess, we want to know what's going on. Um, and even though it's, it's, it's quite a simple device, I use a, um, a headband, it's a portable um, EEG sensor called uh, Focus Band. Mm-hmm. And um, Focus Band has um, three um, woven um, sensors into a black, a black belt karate kid style um, um, head wrap. Um, to just think maybe 80s, um, 80s pop or 80s um, cardio. Yeah, I have an and, image. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, when I'm meditating, uh, as in when I'm doing my biofeedback, I've also got that on. And what it's doing is it's telling me when I'm switching into that zone, when that left side of the brain is starting to switch off and I'm more operating out of the right side. So I'm getting feedback on my physiology, but I'm also getting feedback on my neurobiology. And there are certain times when both of those states are firing the way I want them to at once. And I think we know that neurons that fire together wire together. Mm-hmm. So that the more you train bouncing a basketball while doing NeuroTracker, the better you get being able to basket, um, bounce a basketball while you're um, watching people on the court, for example. Whereas if you only do NeuroTracker and you only do dribbling a basketball, you never really integrate um, the, the, the vision with the skill. And so what we, what I do is I use the focus band to, to give me um, just audio feedback I have it on on the side and, uh, and I put an ear- earphone in and I've got uh, visual uh, auditory uh, feedback coming from the EBU TPS it's on a, on a tablet and it shows me that my heart rate's coherent, um, I think well, my finger temperature's going up or down or whatever and then whenever I start to get in that flow state I hear, um, at the, the moment I've got it put on, um, on rainforest sounds. Right. And, and, and that's just um, a, a sense to Whatever you're doing, keep on doing it, Rob. That's what you know. Neuro and biofeedback's all about. Mm. So um, I, I, I also um, think with focus band, you, because it's wearable, you can you can go for a jog and you can put your headphones on and attach it to um, to, to, your, to your mobile device. And you, after a while, you do start to get in the flow. And it takes a while. And I think my, I think it's almost like we're wired, whether it's our culture or just genetically or neurobiologically or whatever. But we're wired for left brain society. Maybe it's because we get educated in left brain stuff when we're really early. Mm. And a few of us maybe catch on to the right brain, but the majority of us is stuck in left brain. Um, where, where to be, um, what's next, uh, all the, that, 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 that sequencing stuff. Mm. Um, just just, just um, briefly yeah. describe left brain, right brain, please. Well, um, it's just been um, thought that um, the right brain can process know several million million calculations at once whereas the left brain uh, and holistically and whereas the left brain can maybe process a couple of thousand um, and it's very sequential so um, 
it's, it's interesting that whenever I, whenever people do the, the focus band and they start to get into motion, now motion is a Japanese term for the mind of no mind, and that's been brought from the samurais where they would fight, and if they had a thought going through their mind, they would die because that thought would distract them. They needed to be 100% in the present. So these um, the guys that developed it, two great Aussie blokes from Queensland, um, <laughs> that they've um, yeah they're great like father and son they're amazing guys, um, and um, and that, that when when they're in that motion when I can see on the app that the right brain's much more alpha, it's more alpha alpha and beta levels. Um, so there's it, it's actually a proprietary um, algorithm. So I don't actually know the exact configuration of which uh, like what level of activity is in the left and the right. Um, that's just, and that's their prerogative. They've helped people to become world number one in golf and, and all medalists and, and so I'm not begrudging them that. Um, but it's definitely a change, a drop in the, in the activity in the left brain and um, a change in the, um, the brain waves in the right. Mm. And, um, and so people would say, oh, I just wasn't thinking anything. And it's like, ah, okay. Yeah. So that's generally the the, the the report that I get from people when when they use focus band is that yeah um, I, I kind of wasn't thinking anything I was just I just was I was just being and so it's a really nice way to introduce people to meditation because they go what is meditation and oh, do I have to think I have to not think or do I have to think it's just so confusing mm. and and I think this really operationalizes it so that okay if 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 the right brain turns green and you hear a sound. Keep doing whatever you're doing, <laughs> um, and Nick, how simple how simple is that? Mm. So um, you can use it when you're serving a tennis ball, when you're about to hit a cricket bat. So when you're a cricketer and you're about to have someone bowl at you, um, that um, Henry and and, um, and Graham told me about times they went over to um, to India, I think, and there was someone that um, was like struggling with batting, and they helped them to get into motion, and then they just start cracking the ball because they let their their right brain, which is a lot, which is the flow state, which is making so much, so many more calculations. As they were receiving the ball and hitting the ball, they were in that state of mind mm. versus in that conscious. Oh, make sure you, make sure you, make sure you. And again, it goes back to that: is the, is the, is the, um, is the horse, you know, riding the show, or is the jockey? Yeah. And eventually, the jockey, the, the jockey has to sit back and go, "All right, boss, you, you, you're the body, so I trust you to do." What, what you do versus trying to violently control the horse. I think that just creates conflict between you know, the driver and the, and the, the body. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think yeah. to use your word from earlier, mastery, but mental mastery will become increasingly, it's one of the trends that I think will kick off um, amongst the general population, certainly you know, busy executives, busy professionals, as well as athletes. Because yeah, yeah. We, we train people, we train ourselves as a, as a team for, for a lot of endurance events. And you're not training the the legs. Really, you're training the head, because the legs will do what the head tells them to do. Yeah. And and even on a long dis a long distance event, if you can hear your child screaming, if you can you know if, if you're being told that there's something that needs your urgent attention, you will be able to travel a lot of miles at quite considerable speed, and you'll surprise yourself. Um, hopefully, no one ever needs to be tested in that way. But it's really about training the head and not the legs. And I think. For just a simple one that people can try is that mindfulness and meditation, specifically meditation. I think for training the mind, for getting that mental clarity and that focus that you can then apply to anything, sport, work, home, any aspect of your life, 
is incredibly powerful. And there's a couple of apps that I use, Headspace and Calm. Um, both are pretty good at giving you some free free stuff and then eventually they'll ask you to, to pay if you want some of the additional packs unloaded. But they really don't cost very much and the benefit, the return on investment you can get from that is massive. I, mean, I did a short meditation before we, we recorded this podcast um, for about 10 yeah. minutes. Uh, I'm just a, a big believer in, in using that as a way to get clarity, but also to, to cut through to cut through a lot of the noise that, that goes on in people's heads and in people's lives now. Yeah, there's this constant influx of binging, buzzing, dinging of messages, alerts from social media, from news alerts and all this kind of stuff. And it just creates this fog that people struggle to cut through. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when you've eaten well and you slept well and you've done your meditation and you've worked out, how many thousand more times um, creative mm. and productive and even any bit empathic are you compared to when you haven't slept, you haven't eaten, um, what else, you haven't worked out um, and you haven't meditated. I mean, it's, it's, it's an easy comparison to make, but when you make it like that, you go, shit, mm. really? Yeah. You know, I, I can control these things and if I can, it's, it's no guarantee of success. But if I can stack the odds in my favor and, 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 and do it consistently, well, you know, um, I, I use it, you know, one plus one plus one plus one doesn't equal four, it equals 70. Because they add up exponentially on each other. And the more of those things that you have in place, the better, as your sleep is better, your workouts will get better. But then if you work out better, well, then that will even help you sleep. Yeah. And if your diet and sorry, if your nutrition and your fuel is better, well, that will help your sleep, but that will also help your fitness, which will also probably make you even want to eat the right things as well. Yeah. Um, and so, and then you start to, I mean, and that's only three of them. You get your digestion right, and and your, your mental, your mental clarity. Um, before you know it, you start to go, gee, this is this is kind of nice. This is this is nice. This life. Yes, I get thrown. Yes, I get angry sometimes, but that's also that's often the belief, the the, the, the irrational beliefs that we have about how life should be. Mm. You know, um, yeah. I was with my my, and that's that's when you get into more the the NLP type belief, rational motive therapy kind of um, stuff, where you look more at people's act, their, their actual their model of the world. Now, I I, I love that, I, and I believe that there's a place for that because you can you can doing all those things but believe that life should give you everything that you want and that's going to be the issue that's going to be the holding back point not the sleep not the issue so mm. even we can do all these kind of um operational type um objective things sometimes we do have to hit the objective i mean i mean look at the objective stuff that we the half the stuff the beliefs and the the values that we have in our heads um and 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 because if everything else is right there and still, still things aren't going right then, well then you have to rule out all that physical stuff and start to go, all right, well now it is psychological. Yeah. Now I do have a fear of this. Or now I do have a, um, 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 uh, an attachment to, to this or mm. blah, blah, blah. And that's when you maybe work with in counseling or with someone in an NLP yeah. life coach or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's really, yeah. really interesting. You mentioned at the start of the a conversation, growth mindset. 
Um, yeah. And that, I think, ties in very much with limiting beliefs. So, I mean, what, what's a growth mindset to you? Oh, a growth mindset is, is believing that generally where you're at um, isn't fixed, it's, um, it's malleable, it's, um, um, your, your talents and abilities aren't fixed. You're not born smart, you're not born athletic. Um, I think the, the wise part of you acknowledges that we're all we're born a certain height with a certain genetic makeup and with certain life chances. But it's almost the opposite of pessimism. Whereas pessimism is, um, it is what it is. Um, there's nothing I can do about it. It's gonna last like this forever. I think the, the, the growth mindset um, from Carol Dweck is um, that if I put in the effort, um, my brain is plastic, my brain can learn. Um, uh, I can, uh, if I put in the effort and find the right strategy and keep on persisting, I can, I can find a way. Um, and it's it's just really a part of, um, I guess the the, the, the tortoise and the hare. You know, the the, the 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 hare had so much talent but wasted it. But mm. the tortoise just kept on plodding along and plodding along and ne- never became as fast as the hare. Um, but ended up winning because they believed if they just kept on putting in the time, putting in the effort, they would they would win. So yeah. I think it's a lot of different things, but when we show kids, especially young young people, but even older people, that when you do something, like, like you said, the change happens in the brain, and we know how plastic the brain is now, we're really learning this. Just, there's so many different, every experience, every, this experience we're having right now is changing our brain plan. Mm. Now, the, 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 the mere listening to this podcast will be changing someone's brain yeah hopefully for the better <laughs> um, so if every experience is like a drop in, a, in in mud and it's creating a certain pattern well what what is the what is the what is the end goal and how what, what can we do today and tomorrow and over the next six months two years ten years to to mold that to mold our to, to mold ourselves I guess yeah it's a belief in possibility, I guess, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, oh, I'm very big on, on helping people to counter limiting beliefs and develop what's, you know, an internal locus of control, by which I mean yeah. I have a very internal locus of control. I very much believe that I can affect what happens to me and the direction that my life takes. I think I have a profound influence on that. But somebody with an external locus of control will think that their life is influenced by things that happen to them. And trying to, yeah, it's difficult to transfer from one to the other, but starting to at least recognise and have an awareness of that can really be helpful to affect change. Because I guess that's the essence of what you and I do. We're change agents. We're trying to get people to open up to another possibility. Um, using tools like HRV and, and meditation and, and the neurotracker and so on. But all of that stuff counts for nothing if that person isn't willing to, to be... Um, to be open to change and, and transformation. I think that is that is really important. Um, I know we're, we're coming up on time a little bit, but I just wanted to talk um, yeah. a bit more about how you got how you got into this. I think that that's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. What, what drove you into this line of work? Well, I, I think it was uh, many things. Uh, um, I clearly, like someone who's had um, uh, fitness has had has had an impact on their lives. Or business has had an impact on their lives. Um, you know, um, personal, personal development um, has had a big impact on my life. Um, the ability to um, to get out of some some ruts and some some addictions and some some negative behaviours and, and patterns and emotions. 
think I've progressed through time, mm. um, as well as just as well as just natural maturing. When your uh, a young man's brain doesn't fully mature until you get to about twenty five, um, so pretty erratic um, up up to that point. But um, I saw that um, I ended up going back to university when I was thirty. Um, I had, I had a, some people have a gap year. I had a gap decade. So <laughs> I, I, I spent time, you know, in the, in the hospitality and security industries and, and working in, in um, the Salvation Army and homeless shelters and things like that. And eventually I went back and I, I, I studied my, and, and I was just so happy with that. And um, ended up graduating psychology with honours. And the next step was to uh, either do a master's of clinical psychology um, or do like a two, two or three thousand hour internship. Um, it's, it's paid, so you, you get a job and you've got to earn your hours. It's like a pilot, would I guess? Yeah. And um, and I just I got a job up, up up at a prison, and no one wanted to work with me. Everyone was just taking the piss, literally, like if they would just lie to you. And and all I'm gonna be doing was getting people's mail and um, like seeing seeing twenty people per day and asking the same twenty questions. To the same to, to, to did 20 different people that didn't want to see me and didn't want to be there and had every excuse why they didn't want to be there and i'm like i don't want to work with these people i'm sorry i don't mm. uh, I, I really didn't and i went no this is not for me and i, I and i back in 99 i did a, 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 a one month retreat with a, a gentleman called jeffrey hodges he um, started the sports mind institute and he trains olympic athletes and he's just a wonderful bloke he's been doing it for 37 years absolute master and I got out of uni and I was fully out of uni completely. I went, oh, wow, what am I going to do now? Like, oh, I've been at that university for seven years. I came over to Europe, spent a year over in, in Holland. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, instantly, I kind of, it's really weirdly, but part of my life is going back and doing the things that I haven't done yet. I'm sorry, the, the things that I never resolved, I go back and I do them again. And like school, I was terrible at, so I went back to uni and I, I really succeeded well. So I felt like I could take that off. Um, I'm currently chasing volleyball goals. Um, like I said, even though I'm, I'm finished volleyball goals, even though I'm, I'm almost 40, mm. and that's unresolved. I've got some unfinished business, so I'm chasing that right now. Um, and also, I I had I had tried to start a little small business doing sports mind consulting, and absolutely got nowhere. And um, and ultimately, the option was work um, for a, for a, get a PhD. Um, and do study, which we go for that. That's how you become a lecturer um, and a researcher. Or I could, you know, do the, the masters or the or the, um, the the internship. Or I could take what I've learned in five years' time and spend it, and also the ten years of personal development and, the, and my sporting experience. And I could go out there and I could help athletes in my hometown because we've had no sports psychology in Cairns ever, up, up in part of Queensland. It's ridiculous. Really? Not one sport. Not one sports psychologist. Now everyone thinks I'm a sports psychologist. I'm not. I get in a lot of trouble because people say I am, and then the ABS says, "Oh, you're saying you're." I'm like, no, I'm not. People, just don't, people don't know the difference. Mm. Um, but for me, it was. Um, I just wanted to. I saw an opportunity. I thought this is ridiculous. How can we not have sports psychology in Cairns? And even if it's not a full full blown sports psychologist, at least maybe I can help. Maybe I can contribute something with the NLP and the hypnosis and the psychology that I've learned over the last fifteen odd years. So I had a crack at it. Um, I wasn't totally uh, like financially successful or anything in the first year, but I helped a few people out. But um, I realised I needed to get something that was a bit more tangible, something that was would have a bit of a wow factor. And that's when I found the, the, the neuro tracker. And mm-hmm. once I once I added that to my clinic, then I started 
to see people that they wow this is this is really cool and it's making me pay better attention and I'm making better I'm scoring more points playing basketball I'm making better passes as a, as a football soccer player and they can also see their score going up and I think that's where tools like the Aura Ring and the, the EDU CPS and the Focus Band and Neuro Tracker they actually track people's progress and yeah. that and that reinforces motivation yeah just like if you go to the gym and you never track how many reps you do and never track how many how much weight you do and, and your body fat you don't know whether you're getting good or not and if you're getting stronger but you don't know you are you might quit because you think what you're doing isn't working so i think having a quantifiable measure for athletes in terms of sports psychology which is just seen as this i mean i'll talk my head off tonight but you know sports psychology is seen as this talk therapy Mm. I'm just trying to send the message that that's important. But only once you've taken care of all these other things, like all these other boxes that we've already taken care of, mm. if you're still having issues, well, then it's something psychology, so psychological. But don't yeah. go to the psychological first without getting proper sleep, without doing a meditation process, yeah. without having, yeah, without having your nutrition right and being part of a good culture in terms of um, the, the, the actual team culture of the club. Mm. If you can tick all those things off, then maybe start looking at psychology, but don't start looking at the demons in your head. Take care of the, the, the neurobiological, physical first, and maybe that other stuff won't even affect you anymore. Maybe yeah. it only affects you. Maybe the negative beliefs only affect you when you're tired and you haven't taken care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You recover. It's because you're susceptible to those demons because you're tired. Yeah. So We call them the um, six signals, sleep being the force multiplier, mental health, yeah. um, body composition, energy, digestion, and fitness. They are the six key indicators, the six signals of, uh, of good health. And they're typically also the six areas that we see people have issues in. Not always all six, but typically they may sleep very poorly, have no energy as a result, and their digestive health suffers. It would be a typical kind of one, two, three um, combo on that. Um, okay. You know, you pull one lever, you pull two lever, you pull yeah. three levers, bam, you you can transform how you feel, which is addictive in itself. Yeah. And two, obviously how you look, if that's you know, and it's important to everybody, but also your performance, you know, your clarity of mind, you, particularly your creativity. I think people underestimate how creative you can be and how fast you can learn mm. if you take care of all those signals, for example. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the very philosophy yeah. of what we do. Okay, well what you do. Well coming up on time, Bob, so um, just awesome. how can people, well, what's next for you and, and how can people get hold of you? Uh, um, what's next for me is um, to continue to um, be a, a beta tester in, in, in a, like an unofficial beta tester for the new systems and equipment that's coming out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm currently trialing um, what's called um, a halo um, transcranial direct current stimulation. I've heard um, of that, yeah. Yep, yep. And I've been using it for about six months with myself and a lot of my clients and we're seeing tremendous um, short-term results on skill, strength, um, and explosiveness. Um, so you know, that, and that's using uh, stimulation of the of, of the motor cortex. Yep. Um, and uh, I think I'm looking to run a lot more camps, uh, a lot more intensive programs. Um, and I'm really excited. Um, there's a new book out called Stealing Fire. I think I mentioned to you recently. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about um, really getting into getting out of your head and getting into the flow. And um, I'm hoping to um, team up with those guys uh, from the Flow Genome Project um, in the next couple um, to really learn how the Navy how the Navy SEALs get into flow and how Google executives get into flow and all the technology that they use. Oh, that'd be fascinating. Um, yeah, um, it is. It's just it's, it's remarkable. Um, there's a lot.
lot of bunk and a lot of absolute bollocks out there in terms of let's just put a brain on a bottle of water and call it brain water. I yeah. Mean, that's just rubbish. Vitamin water. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, you know, hopefully I'm a bit of a watchdog. I'm a bit of a person that knows enough and has enough um, knowledge and experience and a bit of psychological, scientific background to be able to go, yeah, that's got some merit or no, nah, that's just, they tell them they're dreaming or at least go, there might be something to it. But, oh, there's just no evidence. No evidence, lack of evidence doesn't mean uh, uh, um, evidence of, um, like, lack of evidence of evidence. Mm. I'm going off now. But, but yeah, uh, it's important to look at the data, evaluate people, um, and not get taken for a ride. Mm. Um, and people can find me on, on Facebook, Rob Bronbeck, or um, Cairns Sports Performance Clinic. Um, probably Twitter's a good spot. You'll find me at Rob G Neurosport. Okay. Um, and um, happy to um, yeah um, contribute um, in any way, but I just encourage everyone to yeah, get t- take the test that you're that you're doing online um, that you have on your website. Um, the six signals. I mm. think that will transform eighty percent of people's productivity, health, happiness. Um, the rest I can help kind of tweak. But if you get those base things happening, um, you, you, your your health will be better, and therefore your performance will be better. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Rob. And the test that, that you're referring to is um, is on the website www.bodyshopperformance.com and then the homepage it just says what's your health IQ take the test and that's the one that, that Rob's referring to. Well, that's yeah. brilliant. Rob, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting and there's been a lot of tips, um, a lot of recommendations in there which I'll all link to in the show notes. So um, just yeah. for now, all the best and thank you very much for your time. You too, my pleasure. Thanks, Rob, and you. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.